Welcome and thanks for listening. This is your Nebraska Judicial Branch. Greetings and thank you again for joining us. I am your host, Gene Cotter, and today we are joined by Michelle Chafee, the Director of the Office of Public Guardian. Michelle, thank you for joining us. Thank you. So I got to just jump right in. I am vaguely familiar with the Office of Public Guardian, but could you just start by telling us in general, what is exactly the Office of Public Guardian? What do you do? The Office of Public Guardian's responsibility is to provide guardianship and conservatorship for individuals who are vulnerable adults who've been identified as incapacitated. We provide guardianship or conservatorship if there's no one else available. So we're an office of last resort in regards to that direct service. Also, the Office of Public Guardian provides education to all private and family guardians when they're appointed by the court. They must take a class to be certified within three months. The Office of Public Guardian provides that. We also provide as much support as we can for private and family guardians. So if there's questions in regards to the reporting requirements or problems with benefits or questions revolving an individual's guardianship, we're there to provide supports to the private and family guardians in the state of Nebraska. At its most basic level, you talked about three things there that I'm going to ask you to clarify. You talked about guardians, you talked about conservators, and you talked about incapacitated. Mm -hmm. Could you define those three things for me, starting with what does guardianship mean? Sure. Guardian is an individual who makes decisions, who's appointed by the court as a guardian to make decisions, personal decisions, for an individual who's called a ward. And those are medical decisions, places where people live, how they get benefits, those types of things. A conservator is similar, appointed by the court in regards to finance decisions. So things that have to do with an individual's money, being able to provide contracts or to be able to sign off as a payee on certain, like Social Security and Medicaid and those types of things. An incapacitated person is an individual who, like it sounds, does not have the capacity to make decisions for themselves. And so that will begin with a petition filed in a court, in the county court, to identify someone who is a vulnerable adult to be whether they have incapacities in regards to making decisions. They can be medical. They can be developmental disabilities. They can be substance abuse, traumatic brain injuries, those types of things. When you talk about things like traumatic brain injury, you talk about substance use, once a ward, always a ward, or can you work your way away from being a ward? That's a great question, Jean. In regards to ongoing guardianship, a ward can be appointed a guardian that would be temporary or limited, or also we can always apply for changing the guardianship if someone has regained their capacity. So individuals with strokes or medical issues, diseases, illness, those types of things, we can actually have guardianship ended. And we've had a number of those. Those have been great, great things to have celebrate through the Office of Public Guardian when we are no longer needed. So So do you ever serve in a capacity, and I think the hope would always be that they're temporary wards, 
Are you ever kind of in a respite situation where somebody has a guardian or a conservator, but maybe they have to leave the country for a while and you step in and act in their stead? Or is it something whereby, again, you're kind of, if you're appointed, you're appointed and you remain that way until the court removes jurisdiction? We are a temporary guardian, but often that's in an emergency situation where an individual needs to have medical decisions, for example, in a hospital, a surgery, doesn't have the ability to have consent for the surgery, we can step in and provide the assistance that's necessary. That's really short term, 90 days, and then it has to uh, go back to the court to see if the emergency has been taken care of. We do those types of issues, but we usually don't step in as like a substitute guardian for individuals who have private or family guardians. All right. Thank you for that clarification. And all guardians and or conservators are court appointed? That's correct. Michelle, what does a typical ward look like? I think that there's maybe a misconception out there that these are individuals that are severely or persistently mentally ill or maybe significantly incapacitated physically, but I don't think that's the case, right? You know, it is the situation that the categories that we deal with are people who have mental health issues or substance abuse, medical issues, developmental disabilities, traumatic brain injuries. Our annual report last year indicated that of the 250 wards that we had, we had 800-plus specific categories as a total for those individuals. So they have multiple issues. But what's interesting is that they don't start off that way. There are many of the people that we take care of are vulnerable adults who've been exploited by family members, and they are incapacitated, unable to take care of themselves, but they were teachers, or they were attorneys, or we've had two judges. There are people who initially in life um, were like you or I, but as time went on, they had either medical illnesses or mental health issues, and they had no one in their life that would step up and be able to assist, or the people in their life who were supposed to assist them actually exploited them financially. We did have a pastor whose granddaughter did that. And it was probably one of the sadder cases we've had because he had served parishes for over 40 years. He was married for many, many years. He became physically incapacitated, and his daughter, his granddaughter was involved with drugs. Unfortunately, she was put into jail, and he was evicted, which meant that everything that he had owned— including pictures of his wife and his Bible that he used for 40 years to preach, were thrown away and tossed, and he was left homeless. So this was an individual who, just at the end of his life, did not have family that took care of him. And so the Office of Public Guardian stepped in and took really good care of him for a couple of years. You've said 250 wards. I'm assuming you don't do this all by yourself. I'm also assuming that this is something, this is a service that is available statewide in Nebraska. Talk a little bit about the associate public guardians, the reach of your office, that type of stuff, if you would. Sure. We have actually only been in existence since 2015. 
we were one of the last agencies across the country that was a public guardian. We have currently 17 associate public guardians whom I designate, depending on what area of the state they are in, to take care of those that are appointed to the Office of Public Guardian. We've taken care of over 650 wards since we have been in existence in 2015. Currently, we're at around 250. We have had some associate public guardians who have left, and so we've had to kind of spread that out. And so we are down in our number of associate public guardians. Um, We have 17. We have a office in Omaha, an office in Lincoln. We have individuals who work out of their homes in the rest of the state, Scotts Bluff, North Platte, Hastings, Grand Island, Kearney, Norfolk um, are the areas that we have individuals. Tell me about the individuals themselves. This sounds like a very, very rewarding job, but a very hard job at the same time. Tell me a little bit about the makeup of a public guardian. Well, The most important aspect is that they, of course, have a passion. It's not a job. You really have to have a calling or a passion for this work. It's incredibly difficult because you not only are taking care of the individual in regards to all of their finances, all of their decision-making, trying to make sure they have housing, making sure they have their benefits, making sure they have the appropriate medical care. And so they're individuals who have a desire for that and a high-level integrity and a real strong work ethic. We have a number of individuals that have background in many different kinds of case management. So we have individuals who served in um, Medicaid for the state or assisted living or developmental disability service coordinators. We've had people who have, we've had some attorneys, but recently we've had a couple of attorneys who are our legal counsels, but we don't have any attorneys that are serving as uh, guardians right now. There's an adage that says it takes a village. This certainly seems to be it takes a village. 17 associate public guardians scattered around the state, 250 Seems like I recall seeing a recent posting on your Facebook page or your Twitter site that was looking for help, looking for some volunteers. When you're looking for volunteers, what are you looking for in particular? That's a great question. We are currently looking at, we have what's called court visitors, and court visitors are appointed by the court. They're trained by the Office of Public Guardian, and they are volunteers who examine and investigate to make sure that what's being done for the potential incapacitated person prior to the appointment, that the person does actually need a guardian, what their situation are, and provides that information back to the court. That helps us to know that we are the last resort and the least restrictive person who's nominated trying to make sure that our resources are provided to those who are in the most need. So court visitors are trained, and they can work as many cases as they want in the area, and they're appointed by the court. Successor guardians are individuals who serve after the Office of Public Guardian, so we can find individuals who would be willing to take over the guardianship for our wards. And usually those are individuals that have 
some of the, the difficulties have been uh, worked out. So now they're perhaps in an assisted living and they just need someone who would be their guardian, be there for them, help make decisions, those types of things. So we are in need of successor guardians who would be willing to take over some of our cases and then that would provide us openings for the wait lists that we currently have in, in many areas of the state. Successor guardians, once they take over the responsibility, would not just be <laughs> abandoned to that, but rather the Office of Public Guardian would continue to answer questions and provide support and information. So we would always be there as people who would be able to provide assistance if a crisis occurred. If I wanted to volunteer with OPG, how would I go about doing that? Just call our main office in Lincoln and talk with our uh, administrative assistant, Jill, who would put you into contact with the education and outreach coordinator, Aaron Weissen, who provides education information and also is in charge of uh, identifying successor guardians to make a good match. You know, what area of the state are you in? Are you more interested in providing care for a young adult who's developmentally disabled and be involved with their life, or are you more interested in providing care and successor guardianship for an elderly person who's in a nursing home? And I know that that number is probably available on our website, but could you just provide it so people have it at their fingertips? It's uh, 402-471-2862. So when we talk about volunteers, are you looking for a certain amount of commitment? Do you need somebody who's willing to commit to 10 hours a month or five hours a week or something along those lines? Or are you looking for pretty much anything? We have, I think, a variety. So with the court visitors, we, uh, you can, once you're trained, you can choose. Usually they require about 15 hours per court case. So you can identify within like two month period, how you'd like to spend that. The successor guardian, it really depends on how much you want to be involved. And of course, it usually takes a monthly commitment, I would say of between five and 10 hours a month, depending on how involved you want to be in the person's life. You can be a guardian and simply be the decision maker, or you can be the guardian and be the person who comes alongside and visits the individual and is a friend as well as a guardian. So it really depends on how you'd like to set the boundaries in regards to when you contact us and get information in regards to successor guardians. So guardianship, conservatorship, court appointed. If I had general questions around whether or not, be quite honest, I find myself in a position sometimes where I'm parenting my children and parenting my parents, Mm -hmm. if people are in a situation where they're wondering about whether or not there's somebody in the family that needs a guardian or needs a conservator, is that something that you don't necessarily make advice regarding? Is it something that you provide some parameters around, uh, just input to general public as far as questions go? We don't provide legal assistance, so we're very careful about providing any type of advice that would be, you know, in the legal realm. But we do provide information on general topics as far as guardianship and how that's done and how best to go forward. What we really would like to do, though, is to encourage individuals 
all Nebraskans to consider what their end-of-life choices would be now that they have capacity. Because often what we find is that we end up having individuals who are in guardianship who actually, if they had made decisions in regards to power of attorney for health care or power of attorney or payee for their Social Security, they would not have needed to have a guardianship. And guardianship really should be the absolute last resort. I've heard it said that guardianship is like having a civil death penalty. And in many ways it is because you have someone else who's making decisions for all of your civil rights. And so we really encourage people to think of other alternatives before guardianship to be able to identify the least restrictive way in which we can assist people. But ultimately, if guardianship is necessary, it is a a wonderful thing to be able to serve people through. That sounds like a fantastic service. Uh, Another prime example of an essential function of the Nebraska Judicial Branch. Michelle Chafee, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much, Gene. This has been another episode of Your Nebraska Judicial Branch. Please remember to subscribe, like, and review us on your favorite podcast platform.